Welcome to the Living Room Disciple Podcast. Now, you may be listening to this episode sitting in traffic or while you're doing chores, or maybe you're listening with your eyes closed lying on a tropical beach with a gentle breeze. And you're going to have a different listening experience based on where and how you're listening. Why? Because you aren't just a soul or a brain on a stick. You are a physical human being made in the image of God with a physical body. So today we're asking, how are we being formed as physical human beings? Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Living Room Disciple Podcast, where discipleship finds a home. So, Phil, we are back to record another episode of The Living Room Disciple. And when we have these conversations, we are speaking to one another remotely. You are a floating head on my Mm -hmm. screen right now, Mm -hmm. which is something we've all become pretty familiar with over the past few Mm -hmm. years. But tonight we're going to talk about... Professional from the waist up. You know what I mean? That's exactly right. Casual from the waist down. Yeah. Exactly right. (laughs) Um, So today we're going to talk about the way that we are formed as physical human beings. We are, we are humans with bodies, flesh and blood. Um, So Mm -hmm. how is it, how do you, how would you say that it's different to have relationship and to have conversations and interactions over technology versus flesh and blood in the person embodied relationship? Mm -hmm. It's so weird because I was never, I, I didn't work like a remote job until you know the the pandemic and 2020 the year that never ended and all that and i you know i i I, then my job went remote like many others and um uh we start bringing on new employees uh you know over the years and we're still primarily remote and so now i have people on my team who like i never see in the flesh and i'm developing relationships and it's interesting because I, i i definitely think that like I am developing friendships over this remote platform. Like I, I think I'm convinced that it's possible, but it's, it's kind of impossible not to admit as well though, that any primarily virtual relationship is going to lack certain levels of like intimacy mm. that comes from just being able to sit quietly in a room with someone and to, and this may sound weird saying it aloud, but you know, I think we've all had experiences where like, you know, somebody's smell, um, you know, like the feeling of being next to them. How many people have you like known remote? And then like you see them in person, you're like, oh my gosh, you're so much taller or shorter than I thought you yeah. were, you know, you're yeah. like, you know, like you have a sense of who they are. I think, um, in a really beautiful way when you're physically, you know, with them. And this isn't a commentary on remote work, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that's the point, but, but to, to the point, I mean, when it comes to like Christian communities, ecclesiastical kind of like community in which we're supposed to be connecting as the body of Christ in that context, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to think that virtual connection is really connection. Right. What do you think? And so. Yeah. So, so I agree with that. And I think that's a relatively common talking point, especially among Mm -hmm. church leaders is we need to be in person in church community that that's different than being on virtual church or something like that. Um, but I think that the paradox is that, I don't know about you, but I grew up, um, learning a theology that said that 
while we had to be in church in person, we needed our bodies to be physically in church. The most important thing was our spiritual life. There was something inside of our body. Our yeah. body was this like evil, corrupt thing that was fighting against our spirit that, that was the good that we were kind of preserving in this physical shell because one day God was going to take that spirit or that soul and take it mm-hmm. and take it to some ethereal physical, but non-physical on a cloud, mm-hmm. but you know, mm-hmm. um, afterlife or heaven. Um, and it was a totally disembodied experience. Um, yeah. Well, so the real kind of this, you is this like internal, yeah. Right. thing that's driving your physical machine of a body it's the real right. thing that matters and when this body's toast that's the thing that lives <laughs> on forever exactly right that's kind of yeah. like the understanding it's your soul right is, is how right. i think it's it's your soul right so there's this paradox in saying it's incredibly important for your physical body to be in community in church physically in person don't just sit at home and watch church because that's not real church you need to be in Mm -hmm. person in church but then when people come to church we tell them your body will be in the ground one day your 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 soul is what lives forever um so Mm -hmm. how do we how do we parse these things out how do we reconcile these things yeah i I think I don't, I will say, I don't, I don't know if I fully know. Um, but, but this is one of the things I've been wrestling with for a little bit. I've been listening to the Bible project and they have these, uh, videos and then behind the scenes, they have these amazing podcasts. Just fully recommend, we'll put a link to the description for one of the podcasts they did on the word nefesh, which is the Hebrew word that's often translated soul. And so they kind of do this deep dive into this word. And their, their thesis um, is that you don't have a soul, you are a soul. Um, and there's the sense of, of the, the, the physical you is not separated into some you know, immaterial you, but that these are kind of like a joined thing. It's, a really, it's, it's kind of in depth, and so I definitely recommend it's like four hours worth of podcasts <laughs> to do a deep dive into that Hebrew word. We're not going to summarize it here. But it got me thinking quite a bit about my own upbringing. How did we talk about this topic when I was a kid? And I always had the paradigm that there, there is this real fill hmm. that's inside. And that real fill isn't really affected by my body. Like there's a disconnect between hmm. my physical body and, and this real fill. And so the only time that my physical body really mattered is if it had an impact on my spiritual body. Um, A a good example of that is Paul talks about sexual immorality and how sexual immorality is, is can, it has soul like effects. I'm trying to remember the language he uses, but um, it, you know, there's this idea of, of union in a way that can negatively impact your, your soul's condition. But outside of like how your body can impact your soul, your body is like of little importance. And by extension, the material world is of little importance. I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard uh, someone say in church contexts, um, maybe, maybe around topics of environmentalism. This is kind of where it's come up quite a few times for me. A sense of like, you know, how much effort do we really need to put into preserving the earth? It's all going to burn anyways the idea right right? like it's going to be destroyed and remade 
just like your body is going to be de- be destroyed and remade. And what really matters, and this is the this is the interesting thing. This is the theology, the mainstream theology that I think very few churches and theologians would say they believe or worded this way, but has entered into the mainstream consciousness. Those physical things don't matter because there is a spirit, a soul inside of you that will live on for eternity in heaven. Mm-hmm. And so, and so that's what you need to focus on. Focus on heaven and focus on the spiritual body that you have, or your, your spiritual soul, you know, and, and you'll be fine. But what I've come to learn, and, and I know we've talked a little bit about this in the past, is the Bible doesn't teach that. Right. And I think that's really interesting. Now, what I'm not trying to say is that the Bible doesn't teach that we have a soul. I would say that that it seems clear. Well, I'm going to be very ironic here for a moment. It seems clear that it's not clear is what (laughs) is in the Bible. And uh, you'll often hear Paul talk about your soul in your body or your spirit in the body. And then you'll hear him talk about soul, spirit, body. Um, And then you'll hear him talk about, uh, well, it's just kind of like all through the biblical texts. There's all these different terms used to try to describe essentially the two categories of like the material and the immaterial, which is really the only categories we have. What is physical material today and what is immaterial at the moment. And so, for example... You know, our conscious thoughts are immaterial. Um, they have no physical substance. I mean, I guess you can make an argument that they're, you know, synapses going off in our brain or whatever, but um, that's not how we understand that. You know, we understand our per- personhood. Who is Nick O'Brien? Uh, that's immaterial. It's, a, it, 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 it's something that exists inside of your consciousness, inside of your understanding. Um, times in which we, we pray and, and we speak to the Lord and we hear from the Lord are these moments in which we kind of interact with that immaterial. And I think this is some extent, the, the Holy spirit is the immaterial, uh, working of God here on earth. It's like the wind, right? The idea is you can't, you see the effects of it, but you don't, you see the effects of the spirit moving, but you don't necessarily see the spirit. So we know there's these two categories, the immaterial and the material, and we try to put language onto it, I'm kind of lecturing now. Nick, you'll have to stop me at some point. Uh, but, and, and oftentimes you'll hear pastors say, and, and I think it's a wonderful attempt at kind of making things simple, is that humans are like a trinity, similar to God being like a trinity. We have our, the physical, we have the soul, uh, which is what lives on forever. And then we have the spirit, which is kind of like representative of our emotions. And those words are used. Paul has one verse in, I think, at the end of 2 Timothy, in which he kind of says a prayer and he incorporates those three. But, but really, when you read the whole Bible, kind of looking for, for the answer to the question, what is a soul? What is a spirit? Am I spiritual? The answer is really muddied. And what you end up finding, at least what I've ended up finding, is that the Bible has a really particular focus and it is oftentimes the opposite focus that we have Hmm. and it's on the physical right it's on the physical body and it begins in genesis one really 
Mm-hmm. Um, but really the story of Genesis, God makes man, Adam, from the dirt. And he breathes his spirit into it. And then he calls it very good. And, and I think what's interesting is that it's not the spirit, the ruach that he breathes into Adam. It's the combination of the, the, the physical mm-hmm. with the spiritual so closely tied, they're now inseparable, that he calls very good. Right. And not only that, I think but his, his God's calling for Adam, for humanity, is not go and cultivate this inner life of peace yeah. and joy, right? Um, uh-huh. Or cultivate this inner relationship with the divine. Um, but his command is, A, be fruitful and multiply, which is, I don't have to tell you, very physical. And B, yeah, go and fill the earth and rule and subdue it and take care of the creatures and creation and plant and garden and cultivate. And it's it's all these physical tasks and labors and um, things that are only possible in and through the body, right? And so that's the beginning of the story. Um, fast forward, you look at the life of Jesus, and if you're reading the Gospels just looking for the way Jesus is looking to save souls for an afterlife, like you're going to be wildly confused by all the times that he takes yes. time to to heal and resurrect and and mm-hmm. do things in the body and in the flesh and eat meals with people and and do things that are not spiritual but physical and have elements of spirituality of course but but he's interested in right luke chapter 4 in releasing the prisoners in setting free the captives in healing the blind giving sight to the blind um he's a he's a god who comes and and lives in a physical body and what is the incarnation proof but proof that that god cares about human embodiment right um but then he comes and cares about other humans bodies as well even though those people have been gone for two thousand years jesus thought it was important to to dignify their human bodies and at the end of the story um we see in revelation and in first corinthians 15 is a beautiful example of it the way that god resurrects bodies that's the end of the story um and so yeah the the highlight of of spiritual at the expense, the spiritual is important. I don't want anybody to hear that we're saying like, you shouldn't care about your your inner consciousness or your spirit or your soul. That's not at all what we're saying. But I think we've so overemphasized it because we're comfortable thinking in terms of the things we believe and um, the, just kind of these post-enlightenment rational ideas. We're comfortable in that. But when it gets to the the dirt mm-hmm. and the messiness of like physical bodies that that sweat and break down and broken bones and just all the things that come with bodies, right? It's complicated. Or even we had a great conversation with, with Becky Castle Miller about the way our emotions come from physical sensations Mm -hmm. in our body, right? We can't easily Mm -hmm. separate emotion or thoughts and the body. Our brain is working off of information it's receiving from the body, right? Yeah, I think we have such a deep desire in our culture and so understandable. I have a deep desire just in my life to categorize and separate and put things in boxes. And and that makes sense. I think the story of the Bible when it comes to the human, though, isn't do you have a soul and a body? It is that as you're trying to understand who you are, Hmm. you cannot separate your soul and your body. Right. And that's really tough because there's there's this 
this thing that's going to happen to every single one of us, we're going to die. And so we say to ourselves, well, we've got to be separate than our body because we know the story isn't over when we die. And you're right. (laughs) That's true. But, but we should understand the grief of the body dying. And for those of us who've lost loved ones, we do like, we, you know what I mean? Like there's still grief and there should be, that's the result of the sin. It's a big deal. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. a little, it's a big deal. The body dying mm-hmm. was never intended to happen because mm-hmm. the body and the spirit were, you know, they're joined. They're not like a two different things. They're one thing. And this human now has a, is a significant part of who they are that that dies and for some it's destroyed is what jesus says don't fear the the person who could just you know kill the body but can't right. touch you know the soul right and said feel the uh, fear the one who can you know kill the body and then and then throw the soul in Gehenna. so jesus says like there's so there is this deeper thing that is true it's a good intuition that we have when mm-hmm. we read the bible there's something going on in a post physical death experience like that's a good intuition and, and, and we should have it what we shouldn't do is then disregard the first part of that story right that the, the, body, the body is just done now yeah yeah the end of the story is not the spirit living on or the soul living on for eternity that's actually not the end of the story is that through the work on the cross and christ's resurrection he then will end the story, or at least our understanding, or you know, the, the part that he wrote about in Revelation, by bringing, resurrecting, recreating the physical bodies that we had. And in glorifying. A, and glorifying yeah, them, right? Like, I, yeah. like putting, them, putting them back into the type of uh, relationship they, they, they had in the garden is the understanding, or even a more idealistic and perfect sense of that. The dirt and the ruach. Uh, the ruach is the breath of God. The, the 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 dirt and the spirit, right? Together now, again, that's the end of the story. The end of the story mm-hmm. is not spirits just doing its own thing. The end right. of the story is the body and the spirit once again fully intertwined, fully intercept, like not separable. And now, um, fulfilled and in right relationship with God and living beneath the light mm-hmm. of God and his glory. Right. And that's what we should get excited about. Like that's, that should be the vision. And I was following Jesus for a decade before I understood that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I think, um, when we, when we think about loss and loss of loved ones and death, um, it can be so easy to just go to the cliche of, well, they're in a better place. Um, and there is biblical Mm -hmm. evidence for that. There's, there's Jesus talking to the thief on the cross and saying, today you will be with me in paradise. Um, Mm -hmm. there's Paul saying Mm -hmm. that to live is, is Christ to die is gain. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. there's, there's evidence that, that death brings about going to a better place, being with the savior. Um, but I just think we so often miss, like you're saying, the end of the story. And I have taken immense comfort in thinking about those that have passed and thinking like God is going to bring about their bodies in a better sense than they've ever been before. Like they're going to come back in a renewed yeah. earth, in a in a garden of Eden that's worldwide, mm-hmm. right? A garden city um, with renewed bodies that don't ache anymore, that can't get cancer, that can't get injured, that can't get paper cuts, that mm-hmm. can't get mosquito bites, right? Um, mm-hmm. These these glorified bodies. Maybe they, maybe they can, I don't actually know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, and, and yeah, like the... I think the um, the testimony of the resurrection is is so helpful to us that as we read these kind of post 
crucifixion and resurrection stories of Jesus before his ascension, we get, he, he, he still eats meals with the disciples. Like he just has a normal human yes. body, but he also like walks through locked doors and he's also yes. sometimes and unrecognizable. Like to, yeah. Right. He just disappears. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He's also unrecognizable to people who know him. And then suddenly he's recognizable again. So there's something going on. And maybe the transfiguration yeah. is is helpful here as well, where suddenly he's shining brighter than the sun. Like he's he's glowing white and his clothes turn radiant white. Um, and like there's there's something going on where, where the body is still physical. It still eats food, but it also goes through locked doors, right? There's something going on yeah. where, where our physical bodies are become not less physical, I would say, but more physical, more, more glorified. Um, and, and I think we lose so much of that when we skip that part of the story. Um, I think it's so much more hopeful to be able to offer to somebody who's lost a loved one that like, that's not the end of their story. God is going Mm -hmm. to resurrect them from the grave, the same power that, that conquered the grave, the spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us. What else does mm-hmm. that mean? But that the spirit of, of God is going to raise us from our graves as well because of Christ's resurrection. There's also something to be said about, okay, look, I think every kid, or at least, at least for me, I can very clearly remember laying in bed as a kid, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old and thinking very viscerally, heaven's going to suck. <laughs> it is going to be so boring. You know, like you're trying to be like, all right. And then there's no problems, I guess. And I just float around on a cloud or something. Yeah, I mean, like you, you get it. You're yeah. a kid, you know. You, and then. What are movies going to be about if there's what no are movies gonna be? I know, right? And so, <laughs> and then we become adults and, and we, we've experienced enough pain and grief. And we kind of just say to her, I think, at least for me. Well, okay, at least heaven will be a place where there's no pain and grief. That's good enough right, for me. Right. You know, like there's just a place where like every, you know, and, and we forget that we, I believe from my understanding of scripture, that actually what I think is most fulfilling, what's most exciting, the vision I want to give my kids when they lay in bed hmm. is that, dude, there is going to be this like kingdom and, uh, it's, it's going to need a lot of work. Um, it's it, there's going to be some elements of chaos or at least disorder, maybe not chaos, you know, uh, weeds that need to get weeded, buildings that need to get built. We got to build a city. Um, and we're, you know, this city is going to be a, a thing where the blessings of it will actually overflow into everything else. I have no idea what that means. Um, but we got work to do. The thing is, is a lot of the things that make the work painful and difficult and stri- like like tough today, they're just not going to be there. So it's going to be the, the blessing uh, look, everybody's had a moment where they finished mowing their lawn and they said, yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's clean. It's nice. I have brought order to the chaos. Is this, yeah, maybe this right. is a Florida thing. I don't know. But like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like in Florida, you get rainstorms <laughs> yeah. and then four days later, your oh my gosh, yard looks so worse rude. than it's ever looked before. And you're kind of back to like, yes. what was, what was the point? Right. <laughs> what was the point? And, and maybe that'll happen a little bit. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But, but, yeah, yeah. but the, there's an there's just some joy that comes with some of the the labor right the you know Mm. uh, tilling the yard a little bit for my wife so she can plant a garden or Mm. i I do you know some furniture building you know finishing a piece like there's a lot of toil in it that i don't like but there's these also these elements it's almost like i'm seeing through a window 
what it's going to be. Like I'm getting glimpses of glory, right? Of beautiful, wonderful work where I just feel just deeply fulfilled and satisfied. And I'm like, I just wish this was the work, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but because of the tough economic systems, because of the 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 inequalities, because of the 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 serious physical dangers or because of the whatever like insert all these other things now this is difficult now this is tough now this is stressful now this is you know so if you remove those you you're you're still left with good work to do Mm -hmm. order to bring to the disorder because that's the thing like adam is put into this world that is created by god and it has order but it also doesn't um Mm -hmm. Adam's first job is to start naming things, you know, there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of, you know, animals out there. They're not organized. They're not categorized. They're not understood by humans. Your first job is to bring some understanding and God made a garden, but clearly he made it in such a way that it needed some tilling and needed some work. It needed some grooming, you know, for those of us, my wife, so only I've, I've done none, but I've, I've watched my wife and I've begun to learn like, oh, like for these plants to grow right, there's got to be some pruning and there's got to be some watering. None of that's a result of the fall. None of that. The result of the fall is how much I stink and sweat. <laughs> yeah, the sweat of your brow. Oh my gosh, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like, and my back aching, you know, that's all, that's the result of the fall. The result of the fall is not Brittany having to, to go and do a little organizing of the sweet potatoes are going to go there, the green beans. That's fun and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is when we focus on the immaterial and our vision is for the immaterial and our vision is for this, it's not satisfying to us anyways. And we know it. Mm-hmm. There's something inside of us, even as children that knows that's going to suck. And yeah. it's because that's actually not the plan. <laughs> Right. God has not you know? placed that eternity in our hearts as, as no. not Leviticus Ecclesiastes says. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I think, um, there's, there's something beautiful about getting to think about the, the physical things that bring us so much joy to, to accomplish, whether it's gardening or building furniture, like you just said, um, or, or even like playing with your kids or playing a sport you love or so many different physical things that, that bring us joy. Um, that those things can be perfected and become eternal, right? They can be part of, mm-hmm. of the story in the future. Um, it doesn't have to just be this again, floating on a cloud with a harp or whatever that looks mm-hmm. like. Um, not just an eternal worship service, but a, a life in a garden city where there's buildings and civilization and houses and people everywhere and multitudes and a King on the throne in the center of it all. Um, and there's, like you said, there's, there's work to be done and humans are, mm. are fulfilling their role, which from the very beginning, again, rule and subdue creation, like bring order mm. to the chaos, um, mm. which is what we see God doing in, in Genesis chapter one, as he separates water from water, as he separates dark from light, as he separates things out and, and orders them, brings, brings order to disorder and chaos and nothingness. Um, so this gives us a, a vision of the future, but I think it also gives us a vision of the work that we do here and now, mm-hmm. um, that it's not just mowing the grass, but it's 
bringing order to the chaos. It's not just raising children. It's bringing order to the chaos. We're structuring their little minds and their little behaviors and um, into into order in a way that they can then bless their their neighbors and their friends and people at school and their teachers and right. Um, everything we do has this element of bringing God, God's divine order and blessing to the natural forces of chaos that that try to fight against what, what God is trying to do through his human representatives on earth. Um, mm-hmm. and, and like you said, one day that will become incredibly easy because Jesus is going to do the work for us and then invite us to just like carry it on with no, no forces fighting against well, us. Well, not too easy. I don't want well, it to be boring. Right, right, right. Just the right amount. The right, <laughs> just, just the right amount. Yeah. Yeah. But right now it's, there's, there's labor, there's yeah. toil, there's sweat of our brow, yeah. right? There's thistles and weeds. Yeah thistles and thorns. Um, and that's, that's the pain we have to fight against. Um, but work Mm -hmm. is not the problem. Our bodies are not the problem. Um, but the, the flesh corrupted by deceitful desires is a result of the fall. The, the labor, the toil, the the hardship Mm -hmm. is a result of the fall. Death is a result of the fall and all of that gets, gets undone. So we get to work and live now knowing our future hope. I think it's important too to start talking about why this understanding of us not being these spiritual beings that are just mm. kind of driving a physical body, but but our physical bodies and our spirits are just deeply intertwined as intended. And I and and that's the plan that God made and called very good. And I think there's a reason that that for me, as I begin to understand this, I think I've been able to more joyfully live out the calling the Lord has for me in my life. And there's a few reasons. Um, but the first that stands out to me is, I, I think that when we stop seeing ourselves as exclusively spiritual beings that are temporarily inhabiting a physical home and until we eventually enter into our spiritual home forever, but we see ourselves as actually in a fallen version of what we're, was, was intended. A mm-hmm. physical earth, a physical body that is, is breathed, that is living uh, through, through the, the, the animating power of God's spirit, made in his likeness and image. And then, and then we're supposed to live out this kingdom now. And what that means, I've learned for me, is a bunch of different things. But, but one of those things is enjoying the process of bringing order from chaos in my own life. Mm-hmm. And that means enjoying mowing the grass and feeling free to do that, as well as, as looking at the, the brokenness and disorder and chaos in my community, the homelessness, the, the, the individuals who can't afford ho- like affordable housing, the individuals who are food insecure, the individuals who are lonely, all disorder, chaos, spiritual and physical. They're not separate. They're intertwined. And beginning to see that, oh, like seeing those people in my workplace who are lonely and spending time with them, inviting them out to coffee and being present with them is bringing some level of order. And that physical act of spending time with them Mm-hmm. because our bodies and our spirits are not these two separate things. They're deeply intertwined as one thing. That physical act of spending time with them is actually a spiritual act of healing. Right. And 
that taking joy in a house project and completing it isn't wrong or less spiritual, but it's actually as you're designed to be. And we're probably, I have a theory. This is only a Phil theory. No biblical evidence to support it. (laughs) I've never heard a theologian. So smarter people than me have never said this. It's probably wrong. But I have a theory that like God's going to come establish his new kingdom. And we get all these facts about the new Jerusalem to come down. It's very measured. It's very, it's this place. But I'm really praying and hoping and holding out. There's going to be too many Christians to live in that city. Like just, you know, it's only so big. And so I have this crazy theory. Or I just imagine in my mind that we will get to spend a long time revitalizing the earth. You know, like just doing, you know, like, have you ever done like a home reno project where you just mm-hmm. like take out the old stuff and put the new, you know, and it's kind of fun, you know, <laughs> if I didn't have to worry about money, it'd be great. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, yeah. And I just kind of imagined myself, I'm like, well, wonder if the work of our hands will be reversing the, the work of climate change or, um, you know, reestablishing the natural order, you know, in these, you know, environments and on our shores, um, uh, you know, replanting the rainforests, you know, mm. uh, you get what I'm saying? Like, I wonder, I just, I don't know. I have no reason to think we, but what I'm trying to say is, is it gives me a vision and a hope and, 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 and I imagine the eternity that we're going to have with Christ as a relationship with him that is physical and my activities as ones that are physical. And it, right. and because I'm imagining that it leads me to those physical acts today. Right. Yeah, and this puts a new focus on what it looks like to be a Christian on mission. Um, my entire life growing up, I thought that mission was nothing more than evangelization, right? Um, that mm-hmm. that the Christian's number one goal is to win as many souls to Christ as possible because their suffering in this life didn't matter. What The only thing that matters is saving them for eternity because eternity is so much longer than, than yeah. here and now. And there's... There, there may be elements of truth to that. Yes, for sure it is, yeah. But Jesus also doesn't seem to follow those rules as you're reading the Gospels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and physical healing and the healing of people being hungry and, and the healing of people being in prison and the healing of the blind. And these, these things really matter to him in a way yes. that doesn't quite fit into those categories. And I'm not saying that evangelizing to people is not important because everyone should get to know the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. But I think when we emphasize that so much that we actually downplay physical needs, Mm -hmm. I don't think we're working towards the kingdom the way we were intended to. So Christian mission can actually be so much bigger than we think it is. It's not, it's not just like you said, going to get coffee with somebody isn't just so you can like weasel your way into a conversion conversation by the end of coffee, like just pouring into that person can be an act of loving them, right? There doesn't have to Mm -hmm. be an agenda. And if you get to show them the love of Christ and if you get to teach them who Christ is, and if you get to um, follow the great commission, right. And, and go and teach them all that I've commanded you to obey all that I've commanded you and baptize them in the name of the father, son, and Holy spirit. If you get to do that, praise God, that that's a wonderful thing. But also if they are sick and you get to bring them soup or you get to go pick up their prescription for them or whatever it is, right? Like 
praise God, you get to be a part of their, their physical healing. We have a bigger job Mm -hmm. than, than simply converting souls, right? Our job is, is healing, whether that's physical or spiritual. Um, and we get to be hands and feet of, of the body of Christ here on earth. Um, but I also love what you just said about, you know, reversing the effects of both climate change, but also the way that, that humans bring down, like the way that we bring wear and tear on our cities and our homes and our neighborhoods. And even like thinking about the things that the, the native American lands that we just plowed over and completely replaced, Mm. like what would it look like to, to revitalize Mm. things like that? Um, yeah, just, just restoring a, a more beautiful world. Um, Mm. it's so much bigger than just this image of, we just need to save as many human souls as possible. Like God so loved the world. God so loved the cosmos, right. That he gave his only son. Because the Messiah came to do more than just save souls. The Messiah came to redeem creation. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. And, and I think it's, it's the, one of the tough things is that we've, I, re, I really do think the trend when people talk about Christian missions is to meet both physical and spiritual needs. And I think that's the way that it's talked about. And I think that there was probably a time in missions when that was not always the case, but I definitely, at least in my lifetime, I feel like, the conversation at the very least, you know, I can't always say what happens on the ground, but the, the conversation around it tends to, to be both. I think for us, it's, it's at least for me in the last few years, it's been just wreath. It may seem like it's splitting hairs and I can acknowledge that, but at least for me and my journey, it's been understanding that, that it's not really a, Jesus looks at a paralyzed man and he says, your sins are forgiven. And honestly, that was good enough to stop there, which is really tough for us to like admit, you know, because like, but you know, he can't walk, but it's good enough. And he, but he just says, look, so you know that what I just said in the immaterial that you can't actually see. So you know that I can say, like, I can do that, that the son of man has authority here on earth to forgive sins. That's, that's what he says. Uh, then I'll, you know, I'll heal him as well. Get up and walk. And there's just constant, not every interaction, but some interactions are purely physical. Jesus heals a physical thing. It's actually a majority of them. Some actions, I can't, you know, I can't actually think of one that's purely spiritual. Well, like I, I you know, the Samaritan woman. I was about to say, yeah. The, well, and I was going to think too, um, uh, the, the woman who is uh, found in adultery. You know, these very spiritual things go and sin no more. So we have some that are very spiritual and, and we have a lot that are too, you know, that they're both. There's a, um, a physical healing with a call to repentance. Um, and there's a physical healing and a, and a forgiving of sins, you know, that are happening at the same time. There's the, the casting out of, of demons, which is a spiritual immaterial. It's, you can't really see a demon, but you, you're clearly seeing the effects but of it. But it's physical too, because his body. Uh, was- but it's physical. Right. Yeah, um, exactly right. And so what I'm trying to say is, is that I, I just think it's seeing these two things, your physical body and your spiritual being as not two separate things. And you've yeah. got to, you've got to make sure you prioritize your quiet time, but you don't need to prioritize eating healthy because right. one's of spiritual value and one's yeah. of physical value. And I'm not saying those, that's not kind of true. There's a, some truth to that, you know, um, Paul is the one who writes, you know, physical training is of some good, but you know, there is a, 
if hypothetically you were ever forced to choose between reading your Bible and, you know, I don't, I, I, I can't think of anything, but like, if there is some ridiculous, like you could only do this good spiritual act versus this physical one, I, I guess, sure. You know, emphasize the spiritual, but, but really it's, it's choosing to see your physical body as directly attached to your spiritual being and that right. they're actually not two things that Phil is just Phil. I don't know. It's not like Phil's spirit over there and Phil's bodies over there. Like it's just Phil. And so when I, if I actually, and this is kind of where we get to faith that works is dead, ironically, because if I actually say that I'm, I'm, I believe this thing, then my physical body will be the extension of that thing um, mm -hmm. by default without actually trying. So if I believe that I'm supposed to take care of the poor and my physical body will get off my butt and go take care of the poor, right? Because my physical being and my spiritual being are not separate things. They are the, they are this thing. Mm. And so if my spirit cries out to God to, to meet the needs of the poor in my community, then this dude opens up the Venmo app and send some people some money. <laughs> like, that's how that works. Or hand some cash because we're physical bodies, right? Oh, or because you get it. <laughs> you get yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Uh, we do the thing. And so they're, they're, mm -hmm. they're not separate. They're unified yeah. things. So one of the criticisms of the progressive movements in our country right now is an idea called NIMBYism, um, which Ooh, NIMBY is not... NIMBY is not in my backyard. And so it's progressives that say, I want people to have affordable housing. I want people to have this and this oh, and this and okay. this. I want everybody to have rights, but don't build an apartment complex next to my house because it'll yeah. drive down my home yeah. values. Right. And it's yep. exactly what you're talking about, where we have this mm -hmm. dissonance between I have these thoughts for human flourishing, but then I have these like kind of mm -hmm. physical desires for more money more value for my home and True. you know i don't want i don't want poor people to live by me right just saying yeah. the quiet part out yeah. loud um and it's this dissonance between what we think and what our our bodies and our physical experience are actually willing to do um yeah. and i think we can fall into that trap as well where we can talk about wanting people to flourish as christians and we can talk about wanting to bring about the kingdom of god for people um after the pattern of of the author and perfecter of our faith, but then mm -hmm. our physical bodies can say, eh, but I, I really either don't want to do that or am uncomfortable with the result of that. Right? And when our physical bodies choose to not, sorry, I'm not talking about the physical body. When we physically don't yeah. do the right thing, we are inherently also deeply affecting our soul. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when we, go down to the whatever government building to boycott the whatever thing it is that is deeply influencing the soul because our physical body and our souls are not, are not separate. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so to your point, right. If you've got this theological, you know, immaterial belief that um, all schools, no matter the zip code should uh, have an equitable education experience that is a quality for our children. And this, there's a rezoning effort to make that happen. 
and your children are going to go to a school that you know historically is not good, how you handle that will affect your soul. Right. Absolutely. hundred percent. And I loved uh, you. You got to talk with Jay Kim recently and Mm -hmm. we talk about spiritual formation a lot on this podcast. And that's a term I'm going to try to stop using because Jay Kim mentioned human formation and it's not to change our whole branding now. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. Because it's not just spiritual formation. We also want to form our bodies to do the right thing. Sometimes it's not enough to just cultivate your spirit um, because your spirit isn't going to be the one that does the dishes so your wife doesn't have to at the end of a long day, right? Your spirit yeah. isn't going to be the one that goes to the soup kitchen and, and feeds the, the poor mm-hmm. and the homeless, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we need to form our, our bodies, not just to be in physical condition, but we need to form our bodies to live like Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Living Room Disciple Podcast. If this conversation was as much a blessing to you as it was to me, Uh, The best thing you could do for the podcast is to share it with a friend and allow this conversation to be a part of your biblical community as well. To find out more about the Living Room Disciple Media, make sure to go to our website, livingroomdisciple.com, to find out how to support us on Patreon and to see some of the other content we produce, like our weekly column. Huge shout out to Anissa Live for doing all the production for this episode, Eric Church for getting it out there into the world, and for Daniel Ramirez who composed our music for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us on the Living Room Disciple Podcast, where discipleship finds a home.